Thank you to everyone, so many good friends that I see surrounding the room. It's another year, another packed room. Thank you so much to Yedid Nafshi, to Rabbi Mizrahi for the invitation, to Nasik Hakihilat, Isaac Magrabi, Madruka as well. Uh, thank you so much for gathering here this morning. I just want to just briefly note the difference between this year and last year, whereas last year it felt like a real honor coming, being on a Sunday morning, I felt that there was a real respect and honor in, the, in, this, in this proposition. This year, on Erev Kippur at 9.30, I'm just beginning to think, Rabbi, that maybe this is payback for something. In many places, many of us need to be right now. So I imagine, alternatively, maybe it's the Inui, it's the, it's the Inui of Kippur, it's the uh, suffering and the afflictions of Kippur that the rabbi wants to uh, make a tosef, it would begin it earlier, uh, myself included, but in all uh, honesty and truth. Did you prepare your speeches yet or no? <laughs> no comment, rabbi. No comment. I was, I was planning on it until I had to prepare for this. But in all honesty and all truth, another year, um, another beautiful crowd, people just gathered on Erev Kippur, no less, a time when there's many things to do, many any uh, household opportunities and responsibilities. It's just a real honor and, uh, and delight and zikhut for me to be here uh, this morning. I want to just uh, share a brief perspective, uh, a short thought on Kippur that I hope will inspire you as much as it's inspired me. Harambam, when he describes Teshubah and his Zilchot Teshubah, at the very onset, Harambam makes clear that the mitzvah of Teshubah is different than all others. Because the mitzvah of Teshubah, Harambam describes, is Lifne Hashem. Three times in his Hilchot Teshubah, he describes Teshubah, repenting, as different than other mitzvot. Whereas we sound shofar, but there's no mention of sounding it before God. We're always standing in front of God. We shake lulav, we put on tefillin, and so on and so forth. Specifically, when it comes to Teshubah, Rambam says the mitzvah is, lihitvadot lifne ha'el baruchu, lashuv lifne Hashem. Something about standing in front of God almost sounds like prayer. It's appropriate then, leading into Kippur, where the Torah describes the mitzvah for the entirety of Am Yisrael as Ki bayom or maybe not mitzvah, reality, in front of God you'll achieve purity. It's a day of Teshubah, as Harambam writes in the second chapter of Hilchot Teshubah. Because to stand in front of God, apparently, is achieved through an experience of true Teshubah. Genuine and authentic repentance brings each of us to a presence in our mind, heart, and soul of standing in front of God. That, as I understand it, has always been my perspective. It's always been my understanding of what I'm searching for, what I'm seeking, entering into Yamim Noraim, Rosh Hashanah, more specifically Kippur. It's surprising then, and I only noticed this this year, that Rambam himself, as he describes the Minhag Yisrael, the custom and practice of Am Yisrael for generations, for all the way back as he seems to describe it in Perekimah, the third chapter of Hilchot Teshubah, is to not merely be engrossed in Tefillah or Talmud Torah or other such matters which would get us into the mind, spirit, and soul of standing in front of God, but alternatively, and maybe ironically, he says, this is the time period during which we're engaged in mitzvot sheben adam lahavero, gimilut hasadim, tzedakah, reaching out to the other, extending ourselves to the needy and to the destitute and realizing that there's others whom we need to help. That's what we engage in 
or have been engaged in in the past 10 days or in the past nine days, including today. Isn't that funny? A little startling and ironic. We're focused at this time, of all times during the year, on the mitzvah teshubah. We're marching toward Kippur. We're hoping to stand in front of God, to feel the presence of Bifnei Hashem, and therefore the custom has emerged as involve yourself with others. Focus on other people. On other people? I thought it should be a focus on God himself. Why is it then that Aseret Yemei Teshubah is a time of chesed, of tzedakah, focusing on other people instead of on my relationship with God, if that's what it's all about? I want to supply an answer, but in order to get there, it didn't emerge from the story, but there is a story that took place in my own life, from which, in the aftermath of it, as any good rabbi's child would, my children, one child specifically, turned to me and said, so what's the speech that comes out of this one? And so I want to provide the speech that came out of that one. Uh, it was the last week of the summer, right before coming back to New York, and throughout the summer, and I mean it, every single day throughout the summer, my two oldest children, my sons, my two oldest sons, had asked me whether we could go kayaking. They got this thought in their mind from last summer that kayaking was a great experience and specifically to be had with Abba. So every single day, could we go kayaking? It was pouring outside, could we go kayaking? 9 p.m., could we go kayaking? At every point, there was a question, literally every single day, can we go? I was on my way wearing a suit to a wedding, can we go kayaking now? Finally, it was the last week of many missed opportunities dare I say it, purposefully missed opportunities on my behalf. Uh, no small secret, I'm not an outdoorsman. I aspire to be one, but I'm uh, maybe the Bet Midrash, maybe a home, maybe an office. Outdoors is a little overwhelming for me. So I avoided it, but the last week my son said, my oldest son said to me, this Wednesday we don't got go kayaking, we will miss the opportunity another summer. Okay, Wednesday we were going kayaking. I prayed fervently that morning for rain. <laughs> it poured all morning. I, Hashem I was Lifne Hashem. I imagined something worked. And at 11.15, the sky cleared. I don't know if you remember the last Wednesday of the summer. And it was clear. They were watching every weather report. They had their eyes on the sky. At every second, it was time for kayaking. So who prayed harder? <laughs> apparently them. <laughs> apparently them. It was the Gersad uh, Anuka. It was the Tinokochel Bet Raban, I guess, who they had the power over here. Uh, so off we went to go kayaking. Again, as I said, I know nothing about kayaking. I was supposed to be taught by the people we were borrowing the kayak from how to go kayaking. They weren't around. <laughs> it's self-explanatory, Rabbi. Nothing to worry about. Don't ever say that to me in any context. <laughs> long story short, and there's a long story to explain it because you might question it, but an hour and 15 minutes in, in the middle of Deal Lake, we capsized. And going under the kayak, which wasn't ours, was on my mind. The slides are, that were on my son's feet were on his mind. My other son was holding a cell phone in the air on his mind. But wearing life vests, we weren't endangered at all, but our kayak was underwater. And helplessly, not so surprisingly for me, we were in the middle of Deal Lake, which is gross, by the way, uh, with no way of getting out. Now, we weren't going to drown, I repeat again, but in that moment of helplessness, because the sides are pretty high, because to climb out is not so doom unless you move a lot and you take that kayak with you, my sons began screaming. 
with as if dangerous for life threatening circumstance screaming help us helping at the t- help us at the top of their lungs within minutes leave it to jersey in new york it would take hours until something within minutes there were police troops and there was first responders and anything and everything there to help us out oh, we made our way out i'll come back to the finished line of Instagram. the story Thank, alhamdulillah, no. But, uh, but I will tell you that it's they do less, something. Better than last year's story. Thank you, Rabbi. You remember no, last year's story? Okay. Year. So effectively, we made our way out. Now, again, at that moment, my son said to me, so where was Hashem now? With a smile, of course. Was it the people? Alternatively, just slightly shifting it, it was an experience, and you've all had, maybe much more serious than a capsized kayak, of helpless feelings, of realizing that I'm not actually fully in control, that I need to turn to others, that there are others, that the experience of life which I've imagined I've been in full control of independently has not been so. I need to extend myself to others and have them extend themselves to me. Thankfully, someone heard their cries and we were helped out. The follow-up to the story, which is just as significant, is we had a kayak <laughs> out of Deal Lake, but we needed to get it to Corley's. Anyone who's familiar with New Jersey geography, that's several blocks. The only way to get there, or the easiest way to get there, is down Main Street. Now, as I retold the story to students, they said, Rabbi, you were for sure wearing your suit. I wasn't. So I so said, up Main Street at 3 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon, no choice but to walk with the kayak. I said, boys, heads down, we pulled our caps down and we walked (laughs) up Main Street until we returned the kayak. In that moment again, the presence of others was very, very tangible. The fact that we might be seen and we might be on Instagram was a feeling, was a situation in which again, a a feeling, a realization, which we can and should be feeling at all times, but sometimes manifested stronger and more potently than others really felt we needed others and were being watched by others. It's the expression of Rabban Yohanan ben Zakai to his students on his deathbed. Ulevai, he said to them, if only when they questioned his blessing was your fear of heaven should be like fear of human beings. And he said, can you imagine? If only you felt it. We feel the presence of others. We fail to fear the presence of God. I wonder, I wonder if that expression, if that emotion if that capability of getting out of ourselves, which is so difficult, because we purposefully and sometimes rightfully focus on ourselves throughout our day-to-day lives, is an expression which can be best felt when we extend ourselves beyond, when we turn, perhaps not yet to God, but to other people. When we engage in acts of gemilut hasadim, of tzedakah, of being able to look at the other in the eyes, to notice their presence in our life, effectively what we're saying to ourselves, to our minds, to our souls and hearts is, we're not alone in this. The moment we get thinking like that, the way that we condition ourselves in that fashion, is the same time and period during which we can begin to feel that we're standing in front of another, with a capital A. The moment we can feel that we're standing lifnei Hashem, because to get out of ourselves is difficult. To begin by extending yourself to other people is only the first steps in the journey to extending yourself to standing in front of and developing a relationship with God Himself.
in truth. This time period is time period of Abraham Avinu. I said it last year and I'll say it again, not the Devar Torah, but this is the Abraham time period. According to Zohar Akedat Yitzhak took place on Rosh Hashanah and we read from the Sefer Akedat Yitzhak. We throughout have been reading Oked Vahane'er, we've been reading the Piyut in the Silihot in the morning. We read Oked Vahane'er, we ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu to remember the Akedat, to be our merit, and yet, when we think about Abraham, the vision, the perspective is a little bit split. Abraham on the one hand is Isha Chesed. He's the person who raises his eyes to invite guests in. He's the person who knows how to extend himself to others. We know those types of people. We're surrounded, and you might be one yourself, a person who's Adami, who knows how to turn to the other, to smile, to notice them and bring them in. But Abraham, ironically, or maybe not so, is also the father of monotheism. He raises his eyes and not only notices people, but he notices Borei Olam himself. Because Abraham, at his core, was neither chesed nor monotheistic. At his core, he knew how to see out of himself. The avodah then, the worship and service and job of us ourselves during this time period is to get out of ourselves. Is to be able to notice the people around us and in turn, Notice our ultimate relationship with Borei Olam. To feel Lifnei Hashem is not an easy feat. It's difficult. It's almost insurmountable for so many of us to actually feel the, uh, the presence of a being who can't be seen, touched. Nonetheless, the second we step out of ourselves by extending ourselves to others, and I dare you to do so today, tomorrow, in the weeks ahead, well, that's the moments during which we become most inspired in our relationship with God for good reason. Judaism, it seems to me, the Torah seems purposed. Every time there's a command for ourselves, there at the same time is a deflection, focus it on others. The mitzvah of Simchat Yom Tov is perhaps the best example. Simchat Yom Tov rejoicing on the holidays. Ata, ubetecha, and so on and so forth. You and your household and your family, that's who should rejoice. And yet, as the Torah seems clear, as Harambam paints more clearly in Hilchot Yom Tov. Simchat Yom Tov, rejoicing, is fulfilled not only with food, says Rambam, that's Simchat Kereso, that might feed your belly, that might make you feel satiated. True Simcha is by extending yourself to others, is by inviting in the needy, the Yetomim, the Almanot, that's Simcha. Because strength of self, relationship with another, Realizing God's presence in our lives begins by getting out of ourselves in that ironic passage from ourselves to the world around ourselves. Strength and confidence in ourselves. Strength and confidence in a relationship with God begins with getting out of ourselves. There's a story which has always, to me, rung so true and so meaningful, the sensitivity of one of my rabbis in Mir Yeshiva, the Rosh Yeshiva of Mir Yeshiva, Rabbi Finkel Zichrono Livracha, a personality, a person who inspired me just by his being, let alone from his Torah and ways. The story is told by Howard Schultz, the former, current CEO of Starbucks. He said that he, together with several other high-ranking officials or high-level CEOs from American philanthropic <coughs> involvements, Jewish leaders in the Orthodox, maybe non-Orthodox world as well, met with Rabbi Finkel. Schultz had a close relationship with Rabbi Finkel. They met with him one day at some point just to get advice. And he, instead of just dispensing advice to them, as any true educator does, posed a question to them. He opened up with a question to these high-ranking people. 
to these wealthy philanthropic individuals. And he said to them, what do you think? And I imagine most, if not all of them were Ashkenazic, was the secret to survival, or better yet, the lesson to be learned from the Holocaust. And the men, who I imagine were not used to having questions posed to them, initially fumbled with the answer, didn't, uh, didn't offer an answer. So he pointed his finger at them as the story was told. And I said, so you, what do you say? Uh, slowly and carefully, so maybe it's to never forget, it's a terrible tragedy. This is a nice explanation, a good thought. Not the core, not the fundamental, not the principal lesson to be learned. Another one said, maybe it's that HaKadosh Baruch Hu Matzilenu Miyadam, Shebechot Dovador, Omdim Aleinu Lechalotenu, God's presence, God's involvement, good lesson as well. But I think there's more to it as well, said Rabbi Finkel, and ultimately speaking, opened his mouth and said to them, if you've ever seen the pictures, if you've ever spoken to survivors, you'll notice that when the men and women went to sleep at night, there were six people to a bunk bed. Skinny, emaciated as they were, six people fit in a bunk bed. Nonetheless, there was one blanket which was provided for all six of those people. As they lay in bed, none of them could possibly be warm because there was one blanket for six people. And yet, the stories as I was told, said Rabbi Finkel, were that the survivors remember constantly pushing that blanket onto others, realizing that instead of myself being warm, Perhaps I can and should be spreading it to the other one. I spread my blanket and in turn survivors said to Rabbi Finkel and he reflected back in that moment, I had strength internally. I understood myself because I got out of myself. I had confidence and effort and strength and capability because I was thinking not about myself, but about another, said Rabbi Finkel. And I think the message clear to us to truly understand our capabilities to rise and maximize our potential. Ironically, it's not about focusing out on ourselves. To feel a presence of God in ourselves, not so ironically, get out of yourself. Begin and continue like Abraham Avinu by raising your eyes and seeing the people and world around you. Let that then be internalized. Let that become a part of you. In turn, feel the presence of God in your own life. Truth in the book, Kete Shem Tov, he records that there was an ancient tradition in Middle Eastern countries that on Rosh Hashanah they would do what we do on Purim. They did on Purim as well. They would give Mishloch Manot to one another. The Pasuk in Sefer Ezra seems to describe that the first recorded Rosh Hashanah, as Ezra had it in the settlement of Eretz Israel, was when they were Sholeh Manot Le'en They sent presents or food to those who were in need. What an experience. Rosh Hashanah. Kippur, the time where we purposefully sometimes focus on ourselves, where we seek a Lifnei Hashem experience, was constantly spent by spreading their blanket, their food, their presence to others, to truly feel and experience and get into a relationship with another, get out of yourself. Realize the people around you. Raise your eyes as Abraham did to notice the people and world around you. And then, if we're lucky, we'll find God as well. To stand lifnei Hashem, Harambam is telling us, means through acts of chesed and tzedakah for others. Because then and only then can we rise to the occasion of being outside of ourselves. We will, in just a few hours, be repeating several lines again and again. I, it could be really anything in the Kippur <coughs> liturgy, but specifically the Vaya'avo, the Yagmidot, we've said it over the course of the last 
40, 39 days, and we'll say it again, the Yagmidot again, and again, and again, and yet again. And the Yagmidot beg a certain question. The question is, what are we saying as we recite those words? We can, if you've, if you've prayed in Israel, we can yell them passionately even more than our community here does. If you believe in this community, there's passion in them as well. What are we doing when we recite those 13 attributes of mercy of God? What are we hoping to effectuate? The Gemara in Masechet Rosh seems to describe the capability of God to be mohel, the ability of God or the willingness to forgive through recitation of that, it remembers, as we should, Moshe Rabbeinu, the first time those attributes were mentioned, after Haita Egel. And in turn, each of us should do so, and I will forgive them. Rabbi Moshe al-Sheikh asks a very, or implies a very simple question, sounds, or is, very transactional. To just say words and to assume we'll be forgiven appears as if there's some sort of button, almost what the Torah wards us off from doing, the vision of avodah zarah, words going to change the will of God. Instead, he says, read the words of the Talmud carefully. Gemara says, not only should the people be saying them, but rather, alternatively, ya'asu lefanai do these things. Do you get it? To follow the statement, do the attributes, mention them over the course of Kippur. Think about Rahum, Hanun, Erech Think about staving off anger. Think about being compassionate and sympathetic and empathetic and merciful to the people around you because that's who Borei Olam was. And in turn, Ya'asu, you should be doing it as well. Then, and only then, Vani Mohelahim. Message I think is clear to truly experience ourselves. To truly experience ourselves in a relationship with God means to get out of ourselves, means to extend ourselves to others, to constantly be thinking outside of ourselves. Not too long ago, I stumbled across, someone showed it to me, Primo Levi, back to a Holocaust survivor, he described liberation from the camps, not in the camps, but after the camps. And he says there was one moment in the days and weeks after liberation from concentration camps during which he was certain that they were finally free. He said in the days leading up to or following liberation, they still weren't certain. Things were still up in the air. Family members were lost. There was an uncertainty whether life would actually continue in any way, shape, or form. He said he had a crystallizing moment, a moment when everything became clear. It was the moment as food was being divided to the people, put out on a table in front of them, and one person took the plate and passed it to the other, taking the food which was presented to them and giving it instead to the other. At that moment, he said, that was free people. That was people who could and would see outside of themselves. A prisoner is a prisoner to themselves oftentimes, thinking constantly about themselves because they need to, to get into a relation of freedom with Borei Olam, in which I can feel him in my life. Begin getting out of yourself constantly. Train yourself to do so. Not simple. We live in a world of me. We live in a world in which we feed ourselves, our family members first, as we should, but we sometimes forget to think about others around us. Next door, down the block, or cities or worlds over. Think about others during this time period. That's, and only that's, the secret as I understand it, to thinking about the other. So in the next several, next 48 hours or so ahead of each of us, I challenge you as I do to myself, think about what the objectives in your life are and should be. Think about how often you extend yourself to others, not in the easy circumstances, but in the situations where it really necessitates 
raising your eyes, noticing, realizing the people and world around you. Train yourself now. Think about it as you say the Yagmidot. Feel inspired by the ways of God and say, that's the person I'm going to be. And in turn, I think the words of Harambam perhaps imply to us the experience of an Amidali Fne Hashem, the invitation of God into our lives, the experience of standing in front of Him, of doing Teshubali Fne Hashem, will become a reality. Should all be Zochet and be Nechtav, Venechtam, Besifram Shel Hayim. Amen. Thank you so much again.